six pack lapidat, and we got thin calf Kafui Hochoyame, fresh off of the NAPF win historical. I mean, frick, man, where do we start? It, it's crazy because you obviously we, we're posting about it on King of Lifts, and then um, there's an article on Bar Bend, and there's like some memes going around. And some people are like, this is like the first North American powerlifting championships that like people are like actually paying attention. It has significance involved in it for a couple of reasons. We'll get to that in a second. Some of them kind of controversial for the Canadian team, um, but also because you got big names like Ray Williams and, you know, Mike T legends like that over there, um, as well as, you know, the historical significance you did at North Americans where everyone knows in powerlifting currently, in the tested division, we have two formulas to rank lifters. Dots, which is used by USAPL, and most of the untested division uses dots as well. So in powerlifting, dots is used quite a bit. And then the IPF, which is obviously the biggest federation in powerlifting tested, we use GL points. Um, so there's two different formulas in which we rank lifters and you got the, you pulled your Taylor Atwood moment where whichever formula you want to use, you're the number one Canadian of all time. And the first 83 to cross 800 kilos and everyone remembers the first. Uh, so you had a lot of historical significance wrapped around this North American powerlifting championship. It was a Walking big day. In. It was What's a, that? I'm just saying it was a big day. And before we get into it, it is kind yeah. of interesting being the interviewee. For people who don't know, I've been a co-commentator back in the old days. If you go in the History Books of King List podcast, you can find me. Dude, no kidding. <laughs> we interviewed like Yuri Belkin. We interviewed like a lot of people back in the day, man. And yeah, now you're on the other, now the other side. The thing is, though, this is like a conversation. Oh, for sure. More or less. Until like we do the name game, overrated, underrated. But then again, that's just a conversation starter, is really what those segments are, anyways. But um, but yeah, dude, you had a going into this, I know because we were talking about it. Um, for anyone listening in Canada, they moved the national championships, which is usually February, March. And they're moving it next year to after the world championships take place in June. They're moving the Canadian nationals to in the fall. In the fall. They haven't in, given us a specific day yet, but we know it's in the fall. Is it uh is there no, I thought there might've been. There could be, I'll double check, but I do know it's in the fall. I'll have to double check if there's a date. Yeah. Either way. I mean, it doesn't super matter. So nevertheless, it's in the fall and. So we need a qualifier for the world team and they put in place. You can, and I'll quote here, the meets that qualify you for the 2024 world championships is any of the 2023 or 2024 IPF competitions. Obviously they got to take place in time before 2024 worlds. The 2023 CPU nationals that took place or 2023 and 2024 Canadian regionals. And for anyone listening, we have provincials and then we have regionals, which 
basically clusters provinces like on the eastern Canada, central Canada, and western Canada. Cluster them and be like, okay, we have a regional championships, which kind of is a level higher than the provincials. So that's what we got. And so it's a little going into this. I know it, the goal was Nick Manders at Worlds got a bronze medal, 797.5, and you had to beat Nick Manders. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of pressure going into this meet. And it didn't help that Joanne and I had our wedding a week before. So going into this meet, I'm doing my wedding prep, trying to prep for this competition where I need this world qualifier slammed at work. So it was just stress from all fronts. But And then the worst part was, I think, nine or eight weeks out when I blew out my shoulder and I couldn't bench. I had Ryan, who was holding a foam roller to my chest to try and find ranges of motion where I could bench without actually hurting my shoulder as I was doing physio. So luckily it all came together. And I was just going back to Nationals 20, Nationals this year, as most people know, Nick came first, Adam came second, I came third, six kilos off. And that, till this day, still hurts. Like, I am so salty over missing Malta, and I just never want to experience missing on a world championships again. So that also helped to feel my motivation for this prep. But I well, remember I, I'll tell you right now. Oh, sorry, go ahead. But like the moment after, like, you know, watching Nick pull for gold, and when I was talking to Jason, I think the first thing I said to him was like, This can't happen again, especially after how many kilos I left on the table. And don't get me wrong, like I love working with Jason. He's a genius and he's a great coach, but he's also still been figuring me out because, you know, every prep has gotten better and like we've been undershooting my peaks and just leaving too much kilos on the table. So as time has gone on, like Jason's been getting better at learning how I peak, which has obviously paid off at my North Americans prep. But I was like, we cannot keep leaving this many kilos on the table. Well, yeah, I mean, you have been a perennial contender at world since 2019 like people just got used to seeing you there you in 20 like in 2022 people like okay i'll see you next year and you're like listen i am from a nation where the canadian nationals is extremely tight it's nations you just show up to your nationals and it's it it may or may not be a dogfight but for some nations it's not a dogfight and you're going to worlds you know several times in a row for yourself it's not a given like that. Canada is, I mean, it's not us for powerlifting nations, but it's not a small powerlifting nation. You know, we got people who are, who are meddling, going to the world championships and medal. Nick Manners, who is the Canadian champ medal that worlds when he went. Um, and so it's not to be taken for granted. And you've been at several world championships. This is the first one you missed. The first one I missed since I started powerlifting. It's crazy to say, it's crazy to say the streak was broken. So in 2023 nationals, you know, Nick even said on the podcast, he was like, there was a lot of hype between me and Adam and, um, and deservedly so. Cause they have a bit of a backstory. That's like their frenemies. Nick went into the storyline. It was crazy. They were enemies, enemies. I mean, to the point where Nick was saying, when he found out Adam was coming to the same gym as him, he had to approach the the gym owner and be like, listen, we might, this might get for real physical. Like this, this guy, this is not going to be a safe space. 
this is they were like super intense and he didn't even want to get into like how it started but it was sounds sounds rough and then um my man's still celebrating drinking wine right now i love still it. got my wine but I let the, hey babe hey babe let the good times roll man but um so the hype and then they became friends Mm-hmm. Which is a weird thing as well. They became really good friends and they have all these moments together and they're caught on camera. So when the when it came down to like the big clash at nationals, everybody's looking that way. And then Nick said afterwards, he's like, shit, man. Kind of feel bad that we we kind of look past Caffwe. And he's like, can't look back past Caffwe. Going in. So I like I've been seeing all this hype where everyone's just talking about Nick Adam, Nick Adam. I'm like, you guys forget about me. And then it made it worse. So going in, I was like, I'm going to remind everyone at Nationals. And then both that didn't happen. It was Nick and Adam, Nick and Adam. So whatever. But then after I was getting tagged and posts by people where they're like, you know, Nick and Adam's the future of Canadian 83s. I even had a couple of people saying, Kathleen's washed. And I'll look at their Instagram profile and they have like, their my deadlift is like almost as big as their total like I wouldn't reply but like just seeing these messages I'm like are you serious like I like do you guys like really think this way so like that's why North America is just perfect I'm like I'm still here don't forget about me like (laughs) you you the thing is so at 2022 worlds definitely left so many kilos off your total it was insane and so I kind of can see where if Nick and Adam didn't watch the B group and you shouldn't have been in the B group. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like obviously should not have been, you were, I forget where like top five, top six, whatever. And you left like 20 kilos off your total. It was crazy. They really did not put the the gas down and they should have. And that was as commentating with Mo who ended up being the one Oh five at Sheffield. I remember me and Mo were like, man, it looks like he's still warming up on his third. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're pacing him for. This is yeah, I remember, 29 I lifts today. You were Mo, but one of you guys in the comments were like, it looks like Kathleen's warming up and he's hoping for three more attempts. <laughs> yeah. And it was, so I can kind of, in defense of like Nick, Adam, and whoever else, a lot of people, A, don't watch the B group and you shouldn't have been in the B group. So they didn't know. So they're like, they just saw the results. And um, we're like, oh, shit. Wow, that's a vulnerable result as far as I'm concerned. So going into uh, the Canadian Nationals, they're thinking, oh, man, he's pretty far back. But they don't know, like, whoever watched the B group, who were like immediate friends, family, et cetera, and some people who, like, of all the lifters in it, would be like, oh, damn, they're they're, they're like sleepwalking Capway right now. He's got so much more in it. So going into Nationals, it was kind of set up like people were going to get shocked and surprised and um you finished six kilos behind them went nine for nine and probably did leave some room but 2020 hindsight i got you right don't Mm -hmm. want to dwell on too much but but it was at least it was enough that because you didn't miss a single lift and there was if someone then doubled back and watched your lifts they'd be like okay can i conceivably see six more kilos Probably this is probably going to be this should be a dogfight. Actually, I'm sure Nick and Adam could do the same thing for some of their lifts. You Definitely. know, fair goes up everyone's way, right? But at the very least, it's like okay, this is actually a three way. But you felt when when you were watching Worlds after this, were you like fuck? 
this is weird, man. Even Nick was like, that it, feels weird. I'm going Kafui's not. It was hard. I'm I'm going to be honest. It was hard watching Worlds. And it, it is what it is. Like, I messaged both Nick and Adam, like, you know, wishing them well. And, like, at the same time, I, like, I posted a story saying, like, you know, like, I want to see you guys on the podium. Because, like, yes, they beat me. But they're Canadians. I want to see them do well. And, like, as much as I obviously want to beat them and I want to be the best Canadian, like, I still respect them at lifters and I love the competition. Like I'm an athlete. I don't want to steamroll over a a division with no competition. Like I want to beat good lifters. So I personally actually love having Nick and Adam there. It just makes it more exciting. Yeah. And they're like, like Nick is a colorful, colorful character for sure. In terms like his podcast blow up and whatever Adams, Adams also, but he's not quite as outspoken. At least I don't know. Well, who knows? Get him on a podcast. Who knows what he's going to start saying? (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it does. It doesn't hurt. Um, And it 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 helps also that Nick did so well at Worlds. I know he had a disappointing meet in his mind's eye because he thought like he left kilos on the table. But he got a deadlift where he misses opener where he pulled it too fast. I'm not super mad at right. I ain't super mad at that because it's the final deadlift that always matters for him. Like he can miss every deadlift as long as he gets his last deadlift. That's all that matters for Nick. Mm-hmm. He Nick is such a uh, special lifter in terms of this. Where like <laughs> freaking deadlift. And here's something that here's something here's something that's changed over time. When you first went to the IPF World Championships in 2019, you were the deadlift guy. I know. You, you broke the world record. My first worlds. How how does it feel differently knowing like like obviously since then you've been under pressure to even out your lift and become a three lift artist. Hmm. But how different is it now to be like, now Nick is around, you know, it just because like I have held the deadlift record and people used to refer to me as the deadlift guy. Like, don't get me wrong. I still have a better deadlift than like 95% of the 83. Yeah. Is the 340 kilos, 750 pounds as an 83. It ain't bad. Uh- <laughs> Not many injuries are hitting that. So, like, I'm still a deadlift lifter, but I, it's hard releasing that crown of being the deadlift guy. But at the same time, it's like I have put on, to- like, massive. I made massive grounds on my squat, made good ground on my bench. So it's like I'll rather be an all-around lifter and like start competing. Like, you know, be competitive at worlds. I'll take that over being the deadlift guy. And you know Just what? Like- I'm not letting go of that deadlift. I'm going to get it back. These guys will see. <laughs> Dude, the deadlifts happening right now are absolutely insane. I mean, it's um, especially like Anaharo and, yeah. and Nick's deadlift. It looks like it's crazy, but it's it's a volatile weapon. See, they're both pulling sumo. You pull conventional. Right. It, so it's a little more sturdy, the conventional, because there's no down up or very little is anyways, because the balance is easier. You're two feet. You're literally standing as opposed to your feet are spread out with that kind of weight in your hands. So the down up that can happen and plague some of these lifters, et cetera. But um, I don't know. So it's it's a consistent weapon anyways. Oh, definitely. Do you think you've had to even out because of Nick's arrival or were you evening out anyways? No, I wouldn't say because of Nick's arrival. I think just to make myself a more competitive lifter because um, looking from what nationals in 2019 i think my 
I'm not sure in kilos, but I think I was around like a 550 pound squat and what I just squatted 630. So that's like a, yeah, 285.5 for anyone listening from Europe. Yeah. Whatever, but yeah. It's so crazy I, progress. And now my bench is like what I did 385. I hit a PR bench even like with an injury during prep. So um, I'm still making great grounds on my bench. I think just for me, it, like I personally want to become a more rounded lifter just to be more competitive on the international scale. And as it were now, with the arrival of those two, it's at the nationals that you got to be. Oh, this is a dog fight. Yeah. yeah this, get is, this is a dog fight, man. Like next time the Canadian nationals rolls around, there's no question the podium should be 800 kilos and up. I agree. I agree. It's like it's crazy to think about. Both what, Nick what and Adam th- are definitely capable of clearing 800. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. So when Adam you watch this, in a couple months, sorry, what's that? Sorry. Well, because Adam will be competing at Easterns in the fall, so he might break it in at Easterns. We'll see. And there'll be two Canadians in 800s already, and Nick obviously is just shy. When you watch this. When you watch the IPF world, you see Nick hit 797.5. Going into NAPFs, what is the goal? The goal, it's different if you talk to me or Jason. <laughs> so my goal was always 800 kilos because we were so close and I wanted to be the first lifter to hit that 800 kilo total. And Jason's usually on the more conservative t- side. He's like, you know, all we need is seven. 98 and there's even a point Jason who to say Jay, like which Jason we're talking about just so everyone knows uh, the best coach ever Jason Trombley straight guys <laughs> um, but yeah and then there was a point like during the competition where I started cramping during bench and you know me like I do cramp a lot during lift so like I was I wasn't too worried I just got my electrolytes in and I was able to get through bench and I was fine but I know Aaron was texting Jason, letting him know that, you know, Kathy's cramping during bench. He's still hitting his lifts and things are going good. And there was a conversation where they're like, okay, let's just do what we need to beat Adam. Let's go 798. And I looked at Aaron. I said, no, 800. We are doing 800. I'm like, I did not pay this money, fly to Caymans to go 798. I'm like, that two and a half kilos on my deadlift is not going to feel any different. Give me 800. Like, I would have snapped if we went 798. And, and right uh, before I went out for my final third, Arian taps me on the shoulder, points at the board and goes, Kathy, and he shows me the 800.5. And that right there gave me so much adrenaline walking out to that third deadlift. Like, I was just like, it was huge. Like, I feel like that moment alone, like, gave me, like, so much more adrenaline to actually hit that third deadlift. This is, because... And you already know this, but Jason messaged me and he's like, calf wants 800. And this is during when it's happening. I'm watching the stream and I'm like, I'm telling you, man, what the difference between those two kilos in terms of weight on the bar is very, very minimal. Mm-hmm. I get it. At the very top end, the straw breaks the camel's back, right? The little bit, exactly. just too much. However, yeah. your 285.5 kilo squat, 630 pound squat was flu and everyone's seeing was like oh wow mm-hmm. your bench despite the cramping your bench flew and it, it looked nice and clean and i'm like yeah. man he on the projected 
two more kilos on his dad should not break him. Right. But so in terms of extra weight on the bar, actually physical weight on the bar, minimal. We're talking two kilos. However, in terms of the meaningfulness to the lifter and what that's going to do for calf, because I know, because I've heard about it for so long, 800, 800, 800, um, and being the first, because you will be the first to do it. And I'm like, trust me, you load it. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I totally, like, I don't blame Jason, because, like, that is the smart play. Like, I started cramping. Oh, yeah. Let's do the minimum needed to put me in pole position for Worlds. So, like, he was being smart by, like, let's go for the safe play. But it just meant so much more to me to have that 800.5 kilo total. It's huge, man. And did you have any idea how big that would be in terms of the historical significance, not just for your potential, and we'll get into all this in a second, in terms of Worlds 2024, but... Did you know the historical significance it would be being the number one ranked lifter and all of Canada dots, GL points, et cetera? So I didn't realize that. I didn't know that was going to put me number one on GL points and dots. So that was just icing on the cake for me. It's you just, you were finding out like everyone else was finding out when you're like reading the King of Lifts Instagram story and stuff. And yeah, like, oh no, God. I, so after I got, after I got drug tested, I called Jason and we're just kind of like going over the meet and talking about it. And Jason's like, by the way, you're now the number one ranked Canadian on IPF on GL points and dots. And I was just like, I don't know. I was just, I was speechless for a second. I was so happy about that. Like, because going into this, none of that was ever discussed. No. It was only about qualifying for worlds. Right. And you thought maybe Scott Jennings from Jamaica might be there. But mm-hmm. even then, I remember having a conversation and you were, you know, we we're basically both agreeing. If Scott Jennings goes 805, good for him. I go eight oh, you're not chasing. Yeah. 800 was your cap. You're like, give me 800 and that's enough. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was, pro- it was, but now that you look back, how much more meaningful was NAPFs with all beat with all that? Oh, it was huge, especially because I almost didn't do NAPFs. Like, we kind of had that conversation where you're like, it just makes sense for you to go try and break 800 at the international meet. Because that's kind of like, it's one of those things where we, NAPFs, like, needs to become a bigger meet. Because a lot of lifters currently aren't taking the competition that seriously. And it was great at this meet that we had lifters like, you know, Ray Lewis, um, Bryce from Calgary Barbell, Eric Willis, who was a past world champion so it was great that you know we're starting to see more names at the NAPFs, and i hope that continues um but yeah like in terms of what did for me doing north doing north america's that was huge and i'm happy that you helped talk me into it yeah well i mean it's something when it's like national you got canada if there's more eyeballs on it if you do a competition at a regional and you do this some people within canada are watching but Americans aren't watching. Europeans aren't watching. Like other people aren't probably paying attention. If it's an international competition, you said Ray Lewis, you meant Ray Williams, but um, Ray, Ray, yeah, <laughs> no, I, got you, I got you fam. <laughs> I got you. But um, if you're at an international competition and you got people like Jonathan Garcia, who's the 66 from us, he almost broke the open world record. He misses third bench, but he ended up getting seven Oh three. 
705 is what Pena won the 66 world title with at, at world championships. It's a world-class total. It's almost a historic open total. You got guys like that there, Ray Williams, who's, you know, he loaded up a thousand pounds, missed it on his third, but nevertheless, it's Ray Williams. You know, mm-hmm. you got Bryce Krawcheck, Mike T, like you had said, uh, Tristan Nazelrod in the 120s. People were show, showing up. Um, Lane Norton in the Masters, who had like a crazy good battle for the 93 kilo master toe. And like, these are big names in powerlifting. So if you do what you did at a regionals, a couple people in Canada are going to notice good. You do what you did at an international meet, even if it's not as big as euros, even if it's not as big as uh, whatever it's going, other people are paying attention. Sure. And um, all of a sudden, you know, yeah, man, it's a lot easier to post this on King of the List. And, and people are like making memes talking about, oh, wow, this year's at APS has actually got some noteworthy things happening. And uh, and Barband writes an article, et cetera, right? It becomes more noteworthy. That's why I think this was, yeah, man, it's definitely a good idea. I'm, I'm glad, I'm definitely glad you did. Flip side, now Adam's going to go. And he, and he's got the opportunity to to best you and you're not going head to head thus far yet. So mm-hmm. it's tough. You're kind of in Nick's shoes now. Exactly. Let's wait and see. Um, and then there's the rumor about a potential regionals in March that will, if, ha- if it happens. So there's two things I heard, actually. So one is that they most likely we'll be having that regionals in March, but they're not sure if it will count towards the qualifying total for Worlds. So I've heard a few things, but everything's up in the air until we get it finalized. No point then. I mean... Right. I mean. <laughs> so like, but if it does happen, then that'll almost be equivalent to CPU's Nationals. So it'll be, I'm assuming Nick's going to be there, Adam will be there, and me, so it'll be our, our battle basically for that world spot. And how do you feel about that? I'm totally cool with it. I wanna, I wanna get back to them and beat them head to head. See, this like, is it's it. Cool to beat the total, but I want to beat them head to head because head to head, I lost, so I need to get that back. And this is where some people will be like, "How would calf we feel if a new qualifying event pops up, and um, all of a sudden, what he did at North Americans, you know, like." qualifying for worlds and besting Nick's total all of a sudden that doesn't count towards it and I mean but it'll still count because technically they will have to beat 800.5 kilos but I'm just like I just know that it's in their wheelhouse so I think that all three of us will be over 800.5 kilos is what I would forecast for that meet and I had people asking me about that like well how would Kathy feel being in the position now you were the number on, one. <laughs> well, this is it. And this is where I was telling people, I was like, excuse me, if you think Kathy lacks confidence <laughs> and doesn't want to head to head, I don't think you understand. Kathy's like, because you're super nice. When people meet you, they're like, he's so polite. He's so nice. I'm like, 100%. Like you're even like the way you talk, you sound friendly. I don't know how to fucking describe it, but you do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. People are going to hear this. People are gonna hear this. On that, what you said that when I talk, I'm super friendly. So when we're in the Cayman Islands, Dre and I were at a mango stop, like one of those, like you know, on the side of the road, just selling mangoes. 
and there was a guy in front of me who was buying mangoes and he turns and he's like he looks at me and he's like you know what i can tell by looking at you you're just a very friendly guy i was just like thanks and he's like you know as and we just started shooting the shit and he's like the tone of your voice how you carry yourself you're a friendly guy he like shook my hand and introduced himself he's like I'm happy that we got to talk today. You are one friendly guy. And I was just like, he said it like, I go, you like, you like, dog, you called me friendly like five times in, in, in two minutes. I got, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was talking to uh, Robert Keller, making, you know, talking about things, things we could do for North Americans, et cetera. And, um, and things are going to be, there's wheels in motion, but um, obviously I can't get into details, but like there's ideas being tossed around. To the point of, you know, making it bigger meat and how this might happen and raising the significance. And there are things that are going to happen, um, but early days, can't super get into it. However, one of the takeaways that he said was, and I'm at Caffey, good kid, friendly guy. <laughs> it, was, it was like, this is, this is freaking, uh, anyways, it's people's impression. But doubling back, why I brought that up. Um, so people coming to me saying, yeah, like calf, we right now is in first place for 83s. How does he feel if all of a sudden they pop this up and there's a new qualifier and now he's got a battle all over again, head to head against Nick and Adam. And then this is why I was telling people is my friends, I get it. You meet calf. you hear calf. and he is a friendly guy for sure. But I think you got him wrong. If you don't understand how truly competitive he is and how badly he would invite a head-to-head and they're like yeah but he came in six kilos behind last time it's like that is why he doesn't want it to rest at that he wants a head-to-head north americans was fun made history first 83 over over 800 for canada number one ranked, blah, 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 in at an international stage. So everyone got to see it. Everyone's talking about it. Me and you tomorrow are going to be on Canadian television talking about it. Like this is, this is big. So North America's was big, but all that aside, good, 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 good. But if they're going to do a head to head, you got some unfinished business to do. It's like in, um, I just started rereading Muhammad Ali's book and he has that one, I forget who he's fighting, but he lost and then his promoters were trying to get him this like huge money fight they're like don't worry about that man the guy you lost he was a bum like no one cares about that and Muhammad Ali's like I don't care about the money I need to show people that I am better than him and like that is like my mindset I'm like I I can't rest on like that loss to Nick and Adam like I need to get back in there and that was um Ken Norton by the way I, I, Ken I, Norton, I thank you it was a uh... I, I talked to you into getting that autobiography. It's so freaking good though, huh? It's freaking phenomenal, man. Um, yeah, he lost to Ken Norton and Ken Norton wasn't nearly as big as those guys. Ken Norton like ended up being good, but up until then, nobody knew who Ken Norton was. He got a decision over Ali. He broke Ali's jaw in the second round and Ali like literally was getting punched in the face with a broken jaw. So he wasn't fighting like he normally would. So he's losing all these rounds. And but he had all these mega fights with Joe Frazier, George Foreman, and all these mega fights on the horizon. Way bigger names, way more money. And um, and that's what they were offering him. And he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna fight those fellas, but first we deal with Ken. And they're mm-hmm. like, 
the the Joe Frazier fights there, the Foreman fight, Foreman rematch. This is a thrill. There's a thrill in Manila. There's rumble in the jungle. There's these rematches would be huge. He's like, got you, got you. You're right. After Ken, mm. <laughs> it was like, and he did win. By the way, he won the rematch for sure. And that's just the competitive spirit. It's like it just means so much more to you to like prove that you can do it and you can actually beat this person. Like it doesn't like I'm not hiding from competition or hiding behind a total I hit at NAPS. Like I like obviously it's important to me, but it's more important to actually show people that I can win head to head and like show that I am truly the best Canadian at that point in time. Yeah, it's like exactly that. Good. Let there be no doubt that. Let's do it the old-fashioned way. Head to head. The the way the way things should be done. And um, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's gonna happen or not. I've heard the same rumors. I think everyone's hearing these rumors, possibly January, February, March, whatever. Yeah. If my only good. thing is I want like the CPU to just let the lifters know what's happening so that people can plan their schedules. That like that is the only thing I care about. Like I saw even Adam posted some on Instagram where he was kind of annoyed too. And it could be in his benefit, but just like we just want to know what is happening so we can plan our schedules. Okay, so how pins and needles is it gonna be first off watching Adam compete now? Oh man. You're gonna watch? <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, most likely. I am Are you gonna be like I hope he tears a hamstring? Not that far. <laughs> Not that far. I don't I don't want him to get injured, but I don't want him to beat my total. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's tough because I know you guys I mean you congratulated them right afterwards and then when they were yeah, at Worlds and me, stuff. Yeah. We just yeah, exactly. have respect for each other as lifters, but you can respect someone and still want to beat them. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, you want them to do well, just not better than you, right? <laughs> Exactly. It's like, I hope you hit 800 kilos. How's that? But you leave the 0.5 off. How's that? Is that fair? Is that right? It's a good day. You should be proud of it. But I hope, um, but historically speaking, Canada has sent 283s. How many years? Because you've been to all these worlds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my first world, it was me and Isaac as an 83. My second one was just me as an 83. And then the third one was me and Kyle Grant. That's the 83. And then obviously last year was Nick and Adam. Or this year, Nick and Adam. So that's, how many is that? So that's what? Three. three is that three, three out of four? Three years. Well, I've been competing that there's been two 83s. So three out of four years, three out of the past four years, we sent two 83s. Mm. So even if Adam does best your total, if it stands at that, it's looking pretty good. For Most, you. yes. The chances are two eighty threes will go up like they take the reserve list. That it, it's higher probability, especially because how competitive our eighty threes are. Obviously, you're ranked number one all time. Yeah, and I and think four of the five Canadians of all time are eighty threes right now. So there you go. Um, so it makes sense. But right now, as it stands, you're number one, and Nick would be number two. So Nick is also. Not fully out of it yet. Like, let's say there's no qualifier coming in 2024. Nick isn't gone yet. Nick is still not doing Easterns. Um, is that the one that Adam's doing? He's not doing the. He's not doing the one that Adam's doing. No. 
So Nick is on the side right now. Nick is number two, and you're number one. And Nick has got to mostly too. He'll be watching, man. But it gets tougher and tougher because you've got yourself a little bit of a buffer. Mm-hmm. And Nick's like, Frank, man, what's the chances that Adam doesn't do this? I don't know. You never know. Proof is in the pudding, but It'll be interesting. We'll see. God, man, I can't imagine what it's like. But this is the way it's supposed to be. For sure. Got I. It's got to be the head to head. It'll it'll make things a lot easier to make it a, a head to head. But it's definitely not a hundred percent. This head to head battle that might happen. Looking back though, now that you did North Americans, um, and a head to head comes. Does North America is now completely changed because coming into it is all qualifying for worlds, qualifying for worlds, qualifying for worlds. And that's all that was really wrapped around it because you want to get back to the world stage. Now that you look back, what are you going to remember about it? Um, I don't think it will change North America's because, yes, the goal was to hit that qualifying total without knowing that there might be that possible meet in March. But like just being the first hit 800, 800 kilos hitting the North American records. Um, I think I also broke my Commonwealth deadlift record too. Um, just all those achievements can't be erased. So it's obvious, like, obviously that doesn't change. It's just realigning my priorities to change for the next upcoming meet. If it is the March one, that's when we to qualify. So I don't think it changes. It just, it just changes my outlook moving forward on how I'm going to get to the world championships basically. I, I never and thought I, I think would have cared. Sorry, go ahead. The other thing is it also just kind of solidifies myself as a, you know, top lifter hitting that key, hitting that total. Cause like I feel like a lot of people always knew I was good, but like I wasn't actually looked at as like up there. So I think that helps to put me like, you know, like with the top lifters hitting that total. For so long, for it had been a while where you had put together the day that you're capable of. Um, yeah, you break into the 800s and now people have to look at you a little bit differently. And you could see where by next worlds, could you conceivably keep piling on more kilos onto your total? Absolutely. And what is that going to look like then? How does that stack up on the world stage? Probably not too shabby. Russell Orhi's coming back. Russell Orhi's coming back, but there's going to be some battles. But um, yeah, I don't know. What did you think when you heard Russell was coming back? I was excited, honestly. Like, Russell, he's one of those characters. Like, he's obviously a character, but he's just done so much for the sport in terms of bringing eyes over. So, you know, I know he's very polarizing. There's a lot of people either, like, like him or don't like him. But I just have the respect for, like, what he's done to, you know, bring so many eyes to the sport of powerlifting. You competed with him at 2019 Worlds. Did you, uh, did you, on the deadlift podium, were you higher than him? Yeah, I, he was third on deadlifts. Right, dude, that's pretty crazy. It's actually kind of funny, because, like, I will be in the gym or something, or, like, I'll be talking to people, and, like, when they find out that, like, I compete on the international stage, they'll be like, do you know Russ? And then I'll, like, pull out that picture of me standing on top Yeah, yeah, you did. And I'm like, this guy... <laughs> <laughs> but but you're you you don't mention that that was for the deadlift event. You just let him no, let him let him leave. Like... <laughs> let him leave thinking, fuck. I think he beat Russ overall that year. I don't know. No, I'd, no, I'd have I to look at the that. books. I don't. 
I sound it was just the deadlifts like he obviously went overall, but I just love the look of people on people's face when they see that initially, and they're just like, oh, oh. <laughs> and you didn't you didn't have to pull that up. That was your screensaver, right? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to pull that up, man. It, it wasn't hard for you to find. Put it on the Instagram picture. <laughs> that's right. That's your profile. Stop playing. But um. I remember you telling me 2019. First off, we could talk about the difference between 2019 to these worlds. You because you watch as a spectator, but I remember you telling me about Russ in the warm up room, and you're like, "Dude, he is such a social media influencer because he, when he was back there, and this is kind of 2019. This is all pretty. He was ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. He had people with cameras floating around him. Yeah, I was like, he had his own team there. There was like cameras. He was doing interviews in between. And I'm like, this guy just has a celebrity presence. Nobody was doing this though. No. I, and I don't mean just in the 83s. I mean, in all the IPF worlds, nobody brought their own camera team and brought their people and doing interviews. Like, how did that go while battling Brett freaking Gibbs? Exactly. In, the, in the fight of his life on the other side of the world in Sweden. And he had his people. You were telling me he was sitting down just chilling and they were just filming him. Like it's like documentary style, not exactly. just for the interview, but literally. I looked over and I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. I want to have a camera team like so I can re record my world's performance. Well, like, I mean, complain. they're like, oh, man, he's so corny for doing stuff like that. But I'm like, look at where he is now. Like can't really hate and this is that's where i was going with this is like look at 2023 how many people now show up with camera teams like exactly. at sheffield you know taylor had people like people bring people to follow them record the moment and how many people now have youtube channels where you mm -hmm. have your own videographers and whatnot like delaney taylor they have sierra who's who's phenomenal but um a lot of people have like people they bring in and now it's more common. And this is how you get sponsorships. This is how you sell merch. This is how oh. you do your thing. Especially in a sport like powerlifting power where it's mainly self-funded. Like you need to advertise yourself in order to get those sponsors to help fund your trips and whatnot. The other thing I really like is I love how Powerlifting America is doing the athlete interviews at international meets. Like I absolutely love those. I want to see more nations do it. I want the CPU to start doing that. Like, honestly, I would be totally cool if the CPU raises everyone's fee, let's say $10. Like, I don't know how many members we have, but let's say we raise every $10 for every person so that we can start doing like media stuff like that on the bigger screen. Just to, it starts adding more legitim legitimacy to your federation and to the sport, too. It's it, the thing is for Powerlifting America. They have so many lifters who are going to worlds that are for really real contending. Whereas for Canada, you know, obviously like our 83s are strong and and just won a medal. And, uh, you know, there'd be high expectations for yourself as well. Um, if should you be going to 2024, whoever ends up, whatever that, how this all shakes up. And there'll be like Jess and whoever the heck. Yeah. But there isn't, there isn't going to be like, I think some of the members might be like, how much are you raising our fees for like three people? Whereas powerlifting America is like every single one of our people are metal contenders and the amount of digital content and assets. So I don't know. You make a good point though. However, you could battle back and say, yeah, 
turn those three contenders into eight. How do we do that? We need to start. But it also makes it more motivating for people to get there. Like, look, look what's happening at the top of our sport. Because I think, I feel like sometimes you got to make those investments to show people like what it can look like, you know? And then I feel it'll be more motivating for lifters. I mean, like, you know, I want to get to this point. I want to be that athlete who's having these like high production interviews, who's, you know, it just like, it looks cool. Like simply said. Yeah. I mean, Russ came on here and Russ said, that's one of the main reasons I came over. It's just the, the amount of, you know, work the media team put in for powerlifting America. Same with Petrie. He's like some of those, some of the work, not, not like just powerlifting America. Um, IPF does those interviews as well. And SBD and blah, blah, blah. Right. There's a lot of people in the world, but however, on the federation level, they could step up. If all the federate national federations could, I, not everyone's got the money, but. Right. There's so many smaller federations, which is just going to be feasible. But if you start getting more and more, it just makes it easier for more to do it. And it is. It is a good point to make where, okay, I got you. We don't have a lot of people contending necessarily. Well, we got we got a we got a handful of people getting contending more. Like Canada's getting more competitive on the stage. Like it's happening slowly. We're getting there. Because I remember um, Steph in the fifty twos when you were there at Worlds. She medaled for Canada. Obviously, Marie T won. Uh, Bittner's won. Like we've had like winners. Bittner's won a couple. Like mm-hmm. we've had. And Nick obviously got a bronze. Like we've had some medal. Yeah, another uh, Brittany, Brittany, how do you say? Brittany Schlater. Yeah, thank you, Brittany Schlater in the eighty-four plus uh, world champion. I mean, we we've it's there, but yeah, to build it, 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 it's like the old expression: it costs money to make money. Exactly. So, so if you just sit back and be like, I don't think we're there yet. It's like, well, how do we get there though? Hundred percent. We, we gotta, start we gotta move investments to get to get our country up there. It's like a casting call to recruit, mm-hmm. you know, make people excited to want to power lift. Um, yeah. What do you think about the NAPS? How do we get NAPS more meaningful as a whole? Um, I would love to see some of the, like the live stream for the last world championships was probably one of the best live streams I've watched outside of Sheffield. Like a few things I absolutely loved was, in between sessions, they had, you know, clips with, like, some big lifters, like Panna, which was obviously pre-recorded, but they were, like, going through the rules of, like, you know, like, in the squat, like, you have to, you know, your hip has to go below the top of your knee for depth, and, like, there's, because most of the people watching, like, your family and friends, they don't understand five-thing rules, and that's the thing, when my family and friends are supporting me, like, my, like, Joanna's family, they had a watch party, and, like, a lot of people don't understand the rules, so it's good to have like those little clips to explain like, you know, what the lights mean, what class wise is depth, just to make it a bit more viewer friendly. And the one thing is when I look at when you watch any other sport, like what do you see at the top of the screen? A scoreboard. I know it's hard with powerlifting because there's so many lifters, but people don't understand powerlifting. They're just watching, seeing like someone squat, next person squat. They're like, I don't know who's winning. I don't know what the score is. I don't even know when the person supporting is coming up. So like, we need a way to also make it easier for those non-powerlifting nerds to actually know what's happening when they're watching the sport or else it's just boring watching all these different people do the same lift each thing. So mm. I, I really loved how SVD kind of did those explainer videos. I would like to see some way to kind of show, even if it's not the scoreboard the whole time, just like, you know, 
in between attempts or more often just so it's easier for people at home to follow around even me when i'm watching i'm like i want to see the scoreboard like sometimes i'll go on lifting cast and pull on my phone but i would love to see that for myself and i think just the little things svd is doing to improve production like i want to see that not just at worlds and sheffield but start trickling trickling down to north americas and i think those little things will start making it more viewer friendly and if people start seeing better production, they'll be like, you know what, maybe I want to compete at this competition as well. So I think it's just all encompassing. I want to see all those little improvements happen in North America's as well. And that's easy. That's the easy stuff. That's the low hanging fruit. Like if a lifter's up there and it says by their name, they hit this deadlift, they go from fifth to third. Cool. But where's everyone else? Who's getting bumped from third to fourth or who's, Who's ahead of them? Like, I see the significance of this one particular lift and what it does for that one particular lifter. But the scoreboard where it says one, two, three, four, five, show me that after the lift. So I know everybody else as well, not just that lifter particular, because mm-hmm. it gets lost in the weeds. It's like watching a basketball game and I don't get to tell you the score. I'll tell you that was three points. That was three points. That shot was worth three points. All right, but where are we at with the score? Who's ahead? Not exactly. going to tell you that. I'll, like, I'll tell you that every like 10 minutes. That's a game where you can't see the score the whole game. Like, you're not going to tune in. No, you'll be like, all right, well, that was a cool dunk. All right, that was a nice shot. But those are one off things. It's not, yeah, you're not buying in as much. Um, yeah. Ex- yeah, especially if you got some dog fights, you got to show that. Yeah. The and, other thing I loved about Sheffield is how they had, you know, like, even the like lifter video segments. And, like, obviously you can't do that at every meet, but you can do something where even at some, like, regional meets, there's been those opportunities where lifters kind of submit a cool, a few cool facts about themselves so the commentators have something to talk about and they can be like, you know, like, this lifter is from here and does this. It just helps engage the crowd a little bit to know, have a bit, have a bit of tidbits about the lifter as well. Here's one of the biggest stumbling blocks that hopefully can something can be done. With Euros, the reason why Euros is so successful, they have several powerlifting nations sending teams. So from UK to France to Sweden to Italy to Spain, all of those are like powerlifting nations who will have contenders. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ukraine, whatever, right? Yeah, These are powerlifting nations. countries which have good athletes, so it just makes it a better competition. Like It's harder to do. I think it includes Central America. So I think it's around 11 countries in that range, something like that. I think there's, yeah, like maybe 11 show up. I think there's like 20-ish involved in the Fed. Doesn't mean they all show up though. Doesn't mean they all show up. But in terms of the actual competitive nations, you got US, which is so far ahead, usually. Mm -hmm. Just maybe a couple, there's a couple divisions that it won't be. And then you have Canada. Right. So like there's overall, US. US, Canada, first for every division overall. Right. There's US, huge drop, Canada, massive drop, all the other nations. And that's where the biggest issue is. So there needs to be some, there, there needs to be a way to get some more lifters there from the US, Canada, whatever, to make it to fill this up. Otherwise, um, what do we offer you? <clears throat> Let's say whether Keiko or Petrie or Gavin win PA Nationals 
and Keiko, Petrie, or Gavin go to Worlds. I don't want to just see Petrie, Keiko, or Gavin, whoever's second, show up and just lift exhibition style. Not every time. If you tell me, let's say, Petrie goes to Worlds and you're going to give me Gavin Keiko at NAPS, I'll watch Gavin and Keiko go at it. Or Keiko goes to Worlds and you give me Petrie Gavin. Or, you know, Gavin goes to Worlds and you give me Keiko Petrie. Yeah, I'll watch those guys battle. The problem is they're from the same nation. Mm-hmm. And you can only double up in one weight class. And that's so you're, you're going to miss these battles. That's the problem, man doesn't work out so that is the that's the issue that they're going to have and there might be some ways of working some things out Definitely. We're, gonna to, we're gonna have to wait and see see if there's some wheels in motion and some things can happen but there's going to be a bottleneck of talent at powerlifting america in 2024 mm, which is gonna be a lot be. of people what's that sorry which is just always going to be an issue always going to be an issue they're all but what I would tell people is everybody in powerlifting America, NAPFs, um, SBD, IPF, you name it on the side, they are all aware. <laughs> this isn't something that people aren't aware of. And things are being, there are always going to be wheels in motion to start setting things up. And there's tons of things being wheel like in, in several, there's several different things in motion that can happen to alleviate. So people have avenues more than just worlds than Sheffield, you know, whoever wins. Avenues, Noah's something crazy. So when we were hanging out by the pool after competition, I was talking to a mother. So her daughter was a sub junior and going into university. And so she was telling us how there is right now only, I think like, 11 or 12 universities in the states that actually have powerlifting teams like it's not in the NCAA yet or anything but they just compete against each other and she said her daughter got a full ride scholarship for powerlifting and I was like I've never heard that before crazy huh yeah isn't that freaking crazy man yeah man it's possible is that and that was um yeah do you know what university it was I don't remember off the top of my head but well, I, I mean, there's, I, I there's power lifters all across like Europe that get paid by the government and they're getting like, like um, stipends from the government because they're athletes on the world team and international teams. That's freaking wild, man, where the government's pitching in and helping cover expenses, et cetera, as well as like, if you're, you know, sponsored by somebody like SBD or whatever, like it ain't bad, man. You need to start seeing that in Canada. <laughs> There was a time, but there was a time back in the day when Canada did actually send athletes. Jeff uh, Becker, you know Jeff Becker. Oh, he's yeah. in his fifties now, and he's he's retired now. But Jeff Becker back at back in the day said the Canadian government used to send the money. Oh, that's unreal. To power lift to help cover expenses. Why did we go? Um, what's that? I said, why did we go backwards? Why did that stop? Dog, you got to make a splash. That's true. You, 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 gotta, you, you got to raise the tide so all boats get that money. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, different governments come into place and God yeah. knows what they end up thinking, right? So they're like, yeah, powerlifting's out. It helps that it's IOC recognized because that's one of the first things governments do is like, your sport wants money from us? 
And they're like, tell I mean, me about your sport. Federations are you associated with? So Right. 100%. And then um, if the, at the very least, the IPF is constantly jumping on all these different associations. And mm-hmm. they're, um, not to get all political, but the whole WADA thing as well is a big thing they look for. It's all... It's all lining up for like governments to be able to, in most nations, to be able to help out. And um, so they're checking all those boxes. That's why they do what they do when they, whatever. But, uh, but yeah, so it, uh, I I mean, there's definitely ways to improve. And APF is, um, is going to be in US next year. So it's going to be stateside and there's going to be a lot of American lifters. I mean, world-class American lifters that need to do something. And there's only so many spots to go to Worlds. And right now, it would appear as though there's only so many spots for NAPF. So we got to think of stuff. But uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see, inter- my friend. Definitely. I'm excited. It, it'll be interesting. What are some of the big differences that you noticed from 2019 to 2023 Worlds in the progress you've seen over the years? Because you've been around at, at all the Worlds except for the last one. But obviously, you watched the last one. Yeah, for sure. Are we talking about differences in, let's say, you know, like the competition differences in the production differences in like my lifting? Whatever you like, sir. Whatever you like. Okay. Give me free reign here. Um, I would say like we already covered it, so I don't need to go over the production, but production is obviously improved. So that's one. Um, The competition's kind of been interesting. Because, you know, in a lot of weight classes, we've obviously seen, like, you know, world records get broken, totals going up. But Russ is just kind of like, you know, like, set that bar, which an 83 hasn't been able to, you know, beat yet. And, like, I was almost, I was almost cheering for Delaney at Sheffield just because, like, that total has been there for so long. And I'm like, I need a IPF 83 to break that barrier. But um, I don't know, in terms of differences, like I like I would say the competition year over year is getting better. Like we are seeing like world records getting broken and there's just been more eyes on the sport. And also it's huge that the IPF is now has that long term deal with Eurosport. I think that is absolutely amazing for the sport that we're, you know, how many eyes are going to be watching are watching the world championships on cable TV. So stuff like that, I just think it's amazing to see the growth of the sport when you're looking comparing 2019 to last year. It yeah, Russ really did raise the bar crazy high. We were looking at the r- results from 2019 before we started recording, and Russ hit 833. Year before, Brett hit 830. I think 832.5. So those two fellas in 2018, 2009, like since people were like, nobody's doing this. Like those guys are so like from Brett to Russ, like, and then obviously Brett retired shortly afterwards with due to injuries. So it's just been Russ Mm -hmm. and Russ is just kind of such a dominant figure in, in the 83s that in all the other weight classes since 2019 have seen growth, have seen like, you know, we've seen people just killing it all over the place. Um, but Love him or hate him. Threes, gotta respect what he's done. Like this is where you know that's kind of where doubling back, people start 
you getting on you because you've been too successful for too long and nobody can catch up and no one can beat you. And then people are actually just cheering for someone to beat you because you're too good. <laughs> it's, it's the Mike Tyson effect where it happened to Mike Tyson in the eighties where eventually people are like, somebody's got to beat this guy too, too long, man. Too many years has been the same guy over and over. You're a victim of your own success. 100%. Happened to Taylor Atwood when he just lost. Some people rejoice because they're like, finally, it's it's what happens, man. It's, you love the Yankees or you hate the Yankees. And that also shows the growth of the sport of powerlifting. You have people who like, you know, jump on the bandwagon. They are cheering for someone so heavily or they are truly fans of this person. just want to see someone fall because they're so good. Like, that's what you see in terms of like professional sports. Like when you're watching, you know, the NFL, NHL, NBA. So that also kind of speaks to the growth of power thing of how people are kind of latching on to some of these big names and becoming, you know, their fans and whatnot. Yeah. We actually have athletes with fans, exactly. which is kind of, I mean, now people are like, yeah, no kidding. No, back in the day, that was bizarre to hear people be a fan of a lifter was like crazy. But uh, now everybody is, man. Everyone's got fans and favorites, et cetera. You are. So you, you, you train under TSG. Um, and TSG is like known for their volume and TSG, like TSG's killing it with the women's. I mean, they got tons of like from Celine, the machine to Jessica Espinal, um, meddling at worlds, Celine, the machine won the pro series coming over to the IPF. We'll see what she does. Uh, but a, a phenomenal lifter, obviously Leah Bavois and freaking like whatever. They got tons of these, the, the, the female roster stacked, right? In the male side, they got like Taylor Atwood, but not as nearly as deep a division on the on the male roster. And on the surface, so tell me a little bit about the strength guys. The programming, um, in a peek behind the curtain, because in terms of the next wave males, if you will, you're kind of one of the guys rising to the surface for TSG. Um, certainly with the last performance you had. And it's worked out for you. Can't give away too many of Jason's secrets. Yeah, well. <laughs> but no, I like I know I know what you're saying though. Yeah, like it is very heavy on the volume side and kind of adapting to, you know, like adapt adapting to a certain load and then kind of just like piling on more volume to kind of push that adaptation as you go. So the like when I started working with Jason and TSG. I like found it so hard, like now I've adapted and it's just kind of whatever, but those four hour training sessions are just, I'm still getting used to it. Like it, it is a lot more comfortable, but sometimes don't want to be in the gym for that long. (laughs) But I will say in terms of like competition day, like, as you can see, I've gone nine for nine, my last three meets. And it's almost like another training day. When I used to have competitions, the next day I used to be, completely destroyed and out of commission but i find even after competitions i recover so much faster i was feeling like decently fresh after i competed at north america it's like i wasn't overly sore i was feeling pretty good so i do think um my conditioning is at a much higher rate like going into my peaks and even after which definitely helps with my recovery and i only have positive things to say about the training style like Jason and I have found a formula that's been paying off a lot of dividends for my training, as you can 
see with my progress over the last few meets. So I, I've had a very positive experience working with Jason and TSG. Friggin', um, I remember, okay, I'm going to double back. I want to tell a quick story. Like I always do when, when I get reminded of what, what someone's story reminds me of a different story. But, um, I remember back in the nineties, bad boy records had Biggie and Biggie was the King of New York. Biggie was the biggest selling artist. Biggie was everything. Okay. This is notorious B I G and this is puffy. And they had black Rob. I don't know if you, do you know black Rob? He had a song called Whoa. He it's he he was really good. I'll send you I'll send you some of his songs. Anyways, he had a song called Whoa. But anyways, so Black Rob was signed to the label. He was featured on a lot of Biggie's songs, but he wasn't the guy. In his okay. album, his album kept getting pushed back, kept getting pushed back, kept getting pushed back because they were focusing so much on Biggie and all these other artists, right? And Biggie was blowing up. They should. Nineteen ninety seven, Biggie shot. Um, 1998, Mace, Li- Mace, Mace, who was huge, leaves Bad Boy Records. He's going to be with the church, whatever the hell. And then they're like, let's let's focus in on Black Rob, see what happens. And they drop Whoa. And Black Rob does his damn thing. And when he's telling, I remember reading an article and he's like, I remember begging for a chance and just in the background, in the background. And when my chance, just begging for it. And now... I am Bad Boy Records. I am holding, I am the flag bearer of Bad Boy Records now. Like it is now they're happy they got me. Now I got attention. Now I make a phone call, Puffy picks up. Now things are a little different. And um, that to an extent, it's kind of like this with, with TSG. You have an opportunity right here where you're like, oh, whoa. In terms of the male roster, I mean, obviously there's Taylor Atwood. For sure. Who's 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 as big as Biggie, right? He's as big as they get. But you got an opportunity here to kind of make some headway and and be like, all right. I think I think NAPFs I got some people's attention. I got I, I and there's a bit of a flash on on what we could do here. So um let's see, man. Let's let's see if because a lot of people were talking the volume for certain lifters, and I want to double back on that, how you acclimatize to it and how the volume initially hit your body. In how, you know, was there a hump to get over? Um, was there moments of, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And then when you start hitting your stride in the gains, because the numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. But You're it's the also, most successful like, like throws like everyone with a ton of volume. Like he, like he obviously programs it so that you can adapt, like as the weeks go on, then he will, you know, pile the volume as you go. So I want lifters on here thinking that like you sign up with TSC, you're just going to be doing like 10 sets of three on your first week training with them. It's not like that or anything, but no, in terms of how adapted to a volume, like I, it's been great. My body's really taken to it positively. It's a, uh, cause the numbers don't lie, man. It's been, it's been a phenomenal growth on this, but, and you guys got something figured out for you. How much has the program changed over the years? Um, It's, it's definitely changed a bit like since i started with him and like each block like it's honestly gotten better it just says jason has figured out how i react to his training and how i react to his peaks so i think like the model we used for napfs is just going to kind of be a rinse and repeat because that was obviously you know my best performance and we've definitely mm-hmm. figured out the formula that works for me right now yeah 
who else is I'm like I hopefully I'm not forgetting anybody on the TSG roster on the male side. Can't remember I know obviously they got some they got some other up and comers and they got some decent people, but um now now it's gonna now it's gonna come back. Someone's gonna slide in DMs and be like, You forgot about this guy. Then, <laughs> you forgot then, about uh, that guy. Jonathan Garcia TSG. Yes, he is. Thank you. Jonathan <laughs> Garcia is TSG. Thank you, Caffey. And I feel like I only beat him by like two or three uh, GL points. I'm pretty sure it was pretty close to best lifter at North America's. Dude, I forgot to say you won best lifter. Yeah. Over like guys like that too. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Jonathan Garcia is uh, actually programming is by Arian, who's TSG. And Jonathan Garcia is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, dude. You saved me. It probably would have been Jonathan Garcia who ended up on my DMs and be like, oh, okay. All right, it's, it's like that, huh? You gonna forget <laughs> about me, huh? He's like, I'm Black Rob. By the way. <laughs> yeah, but uh, let's. Do you want to play the name game, sir? Let's do it. All right, let's get the first one on. Let's the first two. You know are coming, but let's start off with Nick Manders. Hell of a deadlift. No I was told. Hell of a deadlift. I. Respect him as a lifter, but I want to beat him head to head. No lies told there, I'm sure. Adam Jansen. Adam Jansen. Uh Adam Jansen, he's a he's a solid lifter, good lifter. Again, like Nick, I respect him as a lifter. I obviously want to beat him. Um I before before Worlds, I always looked at him. Before the last worlds, I always looked at him as a pretty well-rounded lifter i think in almost i think i was randomly just creeping him on open powerlifting and he's almost increased like he's increased his total in almost every meet with the exception of the last worlds that passed so like he's been relatively consistent minus you know that world's where he had his grip issues so he's a solid lifter and someone to definitely that i'll obviously have to keep my eyes on in the future but I like I don't know him or Nick on a personal le- level, so it's just in competition I want to beat them. But I have don't really have bad words to say about them either. Is there one of them that you think is a more clear threat, or are they both pretty pretty tight the same? So I'm going to be honest with you. Pre nationals, I thought. Adam was the bigger threat just because of how inconsistent Nick has been. But his deadlift is so massive that it doesn't matter (laughs) how inconsistent he is. He will just put whatever number he needs to on the board, which is scary. Especially like when I used to be like that. I'm not saying used to, I'm still a deadlift guy. But I used to, I remember we used to go and meet and we were like, you know what, we'll see what we'll, what shakes up and pull what we need to. And like, that is exactly what Nick can do. So as of right now, I do think I do kind of find Nick a little bit scarier than Adam, but like Adam is also a hell of a lifter, which you can't like, you cannot pass by him. And, you know, he might listen to this and just be like, you know what, fuck you, Kathleen, and then pull eight of 805 kilo total. Wow. If it was that easy. (laughs) If the motivation was that easy. But it's true. Nick, um, like at nationals, when he won that showdown, he'd missed on bench, missed on squad. He had left the platform shaking his head. He was upset. 
And then a monster deadlift out of nowhere caught up, took the title. At Canadian Nationals, um, same thing, man. Didn't have a good squat event. Bench press was, was messy, and he was super upset. And then at the very end, a monster deadlift, and now he's in bronze. So we can like... He can have those days. He's like, he's frustrated too. He's like, damn it, man. And um, yeah, and that day, let's go pull him eight hundreds. So I think if Nick is able to pull together a nine for nine comp, like he will be a really scary lifter. But um, but I do know your point too, where Adam is extremely consistent and has yeah. just been, except for last world, consistently mm. getting better and better and better. And he's he's usually pretty consistent with his lifts too. Let's see what he and does in September, thing. sir. That's why- that's why I like was a little more worried about Nash and Adam Gwyneth's Nationals. It's usually the more more consistent lifter who's hitting his attempts who's gonna you gotta hit your attempts to make lifts unless you're pulling 800, 800 pounds. Which I actually love that. It. I love that quote from Nick where he's like, I, I forget the exact words with something like it doesn't matter because I pull eight hundred pounds. It's <laughs> I don't need the tactical advantage. I pull 800 pounds. <laughs> and this is the thing, because Matt Gary in every single game day handler will tell you titles are won by going nine for nine. Mm-hmm. You go, you go, you, you win championships by hitting lists. And that's where Nick would raise his hand and be like, um, I always am having, well, not always having bad days, but he's like, I'm consistently missing some lifts and having like regrettable squat bench, but my deadlift, you know, I don't need that tactical advantage, but. Yeah, and that shot me in the foot at Nationals because, like, our plan was to go nine for nine, and I think we are kind of reliant, like, almost hoping that Nick was going to miss lifts because he's so inconsistent, and he did miss lifts, but he pulled enough for the win, and we just left too much on the table, which was frustrating for me, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Until next time, man. Let's hope there is a next time. Oh, there will be eventually, obviously, but let's hope the next time is sooner rather than later. Next person, Jason Trombley. Jason Tremblay, I have like 90%, I, I have pos- obviously positive things to say about Jason. Like, I love working with him and the more preps we've done together, like the better my training's gotten. Like, he obviously is a very smart individual and like knows how to get athletes stronger. My only complaint, which we've talked, not even a complaint, but like, you know, in worlds in South Africa and even nationals, I kind of felt that we left way too many kilos on the table. But like, that's something that like me and him both kind of address with each other together. And that's, that's also important. Like you and your coach need to have strong communication lines. And like, I do have that with Jason. So, you know, there's things that I was a little, wasn't the most happy about in the past that I've discussed with Jason, but overall, like I, can only say good things about him like you know he's also used tsg resources to help with my training like he connected me with jane for my nationals prep when i was going through my shoulder injury for this prep he you know connect me with his pt team so he's just i only have positive things to say about jason jason is like something not all coaches are like this jason is so thorough in terms of communication in the gym, you would be sending like all of your top sets to him to review. So he knows exactly where you're at. Um, and he's reviewing all these, consulting with people like Matt Gary. Exactly. For game for for attempt selection. Like it, just like we famously 
for Taylor Atwood's program when he did that huge 838.5 massive total, rewrote all the record books. He wrote the program and then sent it off for a freaking review by a guy with two PhDs on load management. It's like, review this. Because this yeah, is he was very meticulous with his prep. And he, if you want a coach who's going to like give you attention and like, you know, actually like give you the support you need, like I would highly recommend Jason. I mean, because he's not giving you a cookie cutter program, not he's not all. giving you an Excel spreadsheet. He's for really real reviewing all your lifts making calls he's so he reaches he knows i'm with you in the gym obviously and we talk he's contacting me about your temp selection and like what do you think what do you think what do you think of this what do you think of that blah 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 like he is very thorough he wants to make sure you're on it. Mm-hmm. um you know so but and that's the other nice. thing like i think also like being so consistent with my last competitions i've also like built confidence in jason to you know, load the numbers. Like he knows that I am a consistent lifter and like, I will be good to hit those numbers. So I've also built confidence in him in order to load the numbers I need on competition day. So I truly do think it goes both ways with you and your coach. I think so. You buy in on his program, but he's got to buy in on you and what you could do. 100%. And um, I think now that's the buy-in is... (laughs) all around the buy-in is there (laughs) the buy-in is there we need to rock and roll especially if the showdown happens in canada and then when you get the worlds it you know the podium is definitely obviously within reach but you got to go full send i mean all out it depends who's all out worlds let's see we're a long ways away but you got to drop that hammer and he knows so we'll see what happens uh speaking of the next one, Russell or he? Russell or he? Powerlifting superstar. You know, it's appropriate. <laughs> That's you appropriate. Account was it last year's nationals where he walks in in the fur coat? Like again, a lot of people call that so corny, but you know, he makes a splash. He gets people talking. Like he, you know, he catches people's attention. He. He has the best total in IPF 83s that has been there for how long? Like, if you don't like him as a person, you got to respect what he's done for the sport. And I love the flash, man. I love that he's doing, getting people talking. Love it or hate it. He's got you talking. That's the way it always is in every sport. Somebody is breaking apart from the pack and they do it by getting people talking. And that's all that matters. And, uh, And he's just being him. He's not doing it for that. That's happening organically because he actually just wanted to dress like that. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to happen. He's not, he didn't wake up saying, how do I get people talking? He's being him. Exactly. Just like when some other athletes in different sports, uh, they break away and like, you could tell when someone's like trying hard. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't anything. come off as authentic. It doesn't. You could tell. And it usually doesn't work. Whereas Russ is like, no dude, I actually, the moves I'm making is because I want to make these moves for me. And and I think they'll work, but I, I actually enjoy that. And it's working for him. Uh, how about this one? Delaney Wallace. Delaney Wallace. That's a tough one. I've met him at Worlds, and he's a nice guy. Um, he is. Such a nice guy. He And, like, he's... 
like he's been like don't get me wrong like he's always been like big but he's just kind of been like chipping away like like initially he was like you know under the shadow of Russ like you know like Russ was always winning like the U.S. Nationals he wasn't really like there yet and then Russ leaves and kind of opens the door for Dwayne to walk in and be like I'm here I'm now the IPF champ I won it again like I did it twice like Sheffield I almost took down Russ's total so like he's kind of someone who's just been like put in the work putting in the work and waiting for his time and you know taking advantage of the opportunity when it arose from so he he's a strong ass guy like <laughs> obviously he's the world champ but yeah. from my few interactions when we we're hanging out at worlds like he's such a nice guy as well so that last deadlift at sheffield he was like an inch and a half away from taking russell's record that would have been that would have been but, it my friend the one negative thing i will say about him is i think his his deadlift uh pre-ritual is the corniest thing i've ever seen <laughs> really i love that kind of stuff but i, I like i love his little like like you know like sama dance and everything but I, I always just geek so much when I see, like, all the huge, like, excessive deadlift, uh, you know, rituals before people go. <laughs> Dog, his celebration after he hits a lift now is is getting extravagant. Those salsa classes, man, I'm telling you, with every he's salsa dancing. class, his ritual grows a little bit. He's getting he's ideas good. from these salsa classes, man. <laughs> he's he's going to show up sponsored by some kind of salsa group <laughs> next time, man. I'm telling you. But, uh, but yeah, um, how about this one? Anna Horrell, deadlift goat, <laughs> IPF deadlift goat. <laughs> I mean, period deadlift goat, not just the IPF. I don't think right. you got to put any anything in front of it there. I mean, it, maybe even pound for pound deadlift goat. Yeah, it's just. It's amazing to watch watch him pull. Like what? And I almost feel at the last World Championships, if he didn't go so high on his second attempt, he I think he would have had a better chance of pulling for that win at third. But it's so like what was his second? It was. Do you remember? It was. It was sorry, three seventy. I th- I believe on his second, and then his yeah. third was like three eighty something. But like one hundred percent agree. To pull like three seventy and then pull like you know, something higher, like in the same meet right after each other, like that, that is so taxing, even for Anahara. That 100%. I think that was a looking back. Now he knows. And he gets to walk away with that little bit of information, him and his team. And they're like, okay, you know what? Maybe if we strategically do like Nick Manners, just by chance, misses opener, retook his opener and did a huge jump, huge jumps. You could, with the deadlift, yeah. So if you're gonna go all in anyways. There was there was nothing like the atmosphere in South Africa when Anna pulled his opener when people were just like everyone was just like it was what was it? It was like was it seven it was seven hundred, seven hundred and something for his opener. It was just a stupid number. I don't remember exactly what it was. But everyone like was just talking. They're like, is he actually doing this for his opener? He picks it up and stands up like nothing. And the whole stadium, like in unison, just shots everyone just cheering and just not know what happened and then that was probably one of the craziest moments i've been a part of watching a powerlifting meet just the whole stadium in unison just in shock watching how he moved it like an open bar it was if i'm not mistaken 
340, which is 750 pounds. And I remember when he loaded it, I was commentating and I'm like, either he's flying way too close to the sun and he's about to get humbled and he's got like five pounds more. You know, you see people do this. You see yeah. people open up way too heavy and they leave themselves no room to grow. And it's like, that's great. You got a massive opener, but you probably are going to miss your second and your third. And it does, they come out and their opener doesn't look like an opener. And before he hit it, I'm like, I'm very interested to see if this moves like an opener. And he smokes 340 kilos, 750 pounds to your point. And it was totally an opener. And everybody was floored like, oh my God, I can't believe that was an actual opener for him. Came out to 362.5, which is 800 pounds. Smokes that, and then you know, famously came out to 385, and um, that's 847 pounds, by the way. Lock that out, and uh, it came out of his hands on the one side, and he couldn't. It, that was for the title, man. And after that, it was legendary. If he can, if he can do anything like that again, the thing is, it's going to be tough, man, because Russ is coming. You know, Russ is back. Those miracle pulls are going to have to get huge. Oh, oh, one second. I take back saying that Delaney's deadlift pre pull rich was corny because I saw that diss track he did on. <laughs> Better watch yourself, Playboy. He'll drop 5K to make a diss track on you. you I don't you want him to ask me over something I said on the podcast. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. Talk about <laughs> Talk about a guy who does not play around when it comes to a social media beef. This guy will drop... A month's salary on a video and get that bad boy done up. You you think Jason Trombley sends a sends programming across the world for a guy to review? Delaney Wallace sends his fucking disc video to like uh, a movie producer to I to the that. top videographers in the world. He's like, I'm making this Hollywood quality to put you in your place. That was a good dude. Video. He's renting a- my man is renting a studio. My man has got a film crew, a sound guy. He's got script. This dude can't, comes correct with it, man. He was, um, yeah, holy smokes. Talk about powerlifting highlights. Yeah, so anyways, um, I'm, I'm running my P's and Q's with Delaney myself. He, and he, he waited in the wings for that, too. He waited for the right moment, too. God bless. Um, how old this one, sir? Jurens Kangamu. Man, I like this guy. I like this guy. Like, we go back and forth in DMs, everyone. So I met him for the first time in person at Worlds in South Africa. He's funny. He's, he's just a good character. Um, I was a little disappointed about his showing at the World Championships. Like, he, there's a lot of hype behind him for good reason. Because he is strong as shit. And his progress in the last few years has been amazing. He's a guy, like, he's in his mid-30s, I believe. He has... Sure family kids so like you know he has all those stresses and yet he's still able to keep pulling his total so i like him he's a good dude yeah i mean his uh his progress in his mid-30s with a full-time job 10 hours a day married with a kid um has been crazy he's been he's added so many kilos and yeah he had a disappointing world he'll be the first to tell you it like he did tell everybody in his in his um post worlds recap on instagram and then Two weeks later, went the silent worker and got a, a level of redemption there by getting his second highest total ever. And right. he did Dude. 8, 12 and a half, I think. So his highest total ever was 820 and he he did 812. So it was, you know, that's a level of redemption right there to bounce back. I find that so impressive when lifters can do a competition within a couple of weeks, go and like hit a 
bigger number. <laughs> my buddy doesn't. I know. Work. Well, dude, it's been less than a week for you, and you're still drinking. That's probably part of the reason. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe because you celebrate for a week and a half. Right, celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I wake up with a beer. Not... I wake up with a beer on my nightstand, and I'm just like, "That's right." <laughs> Maybe you're living that Playboy lifestyle, all right. <laughs> um, all right. How about uh, let's get into some Canadians here, man? Jessica Bittner. Jessica Bittner. She's just been the what's the word I'm looking for? Like she's been the Canadian icon. Like especially, I think before Jessica, we had. Uh, was it Kelly Brandt who ended up popping? And then like, he was like, who everyone looked at it, like, you know, the Canadians like top lifter. But since then it's really been Jessica. Like she has the amazing social media presence. Like she's a great personality. Like if you talk to her in person, hang out with her, like she's super cool to be around. And then she backs out with performances. She's won at Worlds, compete at Sheffield. Um, especially as a Canadian, I obviously can't say anything bad about like, She's like, if we had like a team captain for world champions, it would be like Jessica Bittner. <laughs> More than likely. She also stole your jacket in 2021 Worlds and that and left her jacket. And when you put her jacket on, surprisingly fit pretty good, dog. Yeah, <laughs> she jacked the shit. See, your your muscles, and you're not a small dude. Your muscles filled in where her muscles were, and it it wasn't the craziest of tight fits. No, <laughs> I remember like because well, like we switched jackets for quite some time, and then I was just walking around. I was like, "This doesn't feel Toby right." And I looked at the size, and I'm like, "This isn't my size." And go back to Jess, and like she had my jacket the whole time, and you're, yeah, you're it like, was. It kind of made me feel a little self conscious. I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're like, all right, it was a little tight, but I would have liked it to have been a lot tight. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I would, have, I would have not liked to have been able to get my arms in in in, in, in like it splits when I put it on. No, oh, I think like, I, I think I texted Jason and asked him, "Can we do a bit more bodybuilding in my program, or it might be time yeah, to go up to 93? <laughs> I want to fuck. You know what? You actually have biceps in your routine now, so that might not be a lie. That might not be no lie. How about this one? How about this one? Uh, Brittany Schlater, huge performance at this year's Worlds. Yeah. Um, I haven't I I did a safari with her at the Worlds at South Africa, but before that I haven't had too many interactions with Brittany Slater. But um like she is someone who's just, you know, she's been around for a while and just been always putting in the work and it paid off at this world, which is as a Canadian, it's just great to see another Canadian world champ. So I absolutely love to see that. And like I don't know. It's disgusting to see like some of the like, you know, like hate that she gets on social media, but like she just kind of pushes it to the side and does her thing on the platform. We Canada's had a world champion. I mean, Frank, man, since 2019, we had a world champion when Maria T won it. 2020 wasn't there. 2020, like there was no worlds. 2021, obviously Jessica Bittner. Uh, 2022, Jessica Bittner. 2023, it came down to the very last day. Mm -hmm. The very last day. And Britt was an underdog, you know, oh, going by nominations. And like, like he, she put on so many kilos on top of her nominations. 
and it came all that's down. That's the example. You got to make your lifts and anything can happen at Worlds. It was that's right. And she threw on so many kilos on her total and and in a crazy war, in a an amazing back and forth, took it. And Britt ended up being our golden girl. And it was, yeah, it was pretty freaking cool. How about this one? Because you brought up his name. A little controversial. But you were around for him when he was our guy. Kelly Britton. See, that's a that's a tough one. Like, I... Because I, yeah, I was definitely around when he was, like, the golden boy. And I think it was 2019 Worlds, like, my first Worlds. Where, like, after that competition was when he got popped, which... I could be wrong, but I think it was an out of competition test, which kind of yeah done in. But I like I just hate to see like people cheating and drug tested powerlifting. So I like I just kind of I like when I heard that I lost a like I don't know the full story like what happened, but I lost a bit of respect for him when I when he popped because I just. It just drives me absolutely crazy. I'm like, just go compete in an untested federation. Like, don't come to a drug-tested federation and try and get away with doing drugs. So it, it is what it is. Like, I don't know the whole story, and I don't want to get too much into it. But that just grinds my gears when I see people, like, trying to cheat and drug-tested piloting. Reagan, um, that's what this segment's going to be. What, what grinds your gears? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... No, Kelly Britton at one point, I mean, he's the first Canadian to bench press 600 pounds. He was chasing a thousand pound squat um, and wanted to be the first Canadian to squat a thousand pounds at a time, remind you, when only Ray squatted a thousand pounds and then Jezza squatted a thousand pounds. And it was still very exclusive. Now we have, you know, obviously Jesus squatting a thousand pounds twice in the same day, but this was crazy talk. You know, um, and he was huge. He had showdowns with Ray Williams and Jezza, and those three battling at Worlds was yeah, like every year was about SPD posters. Like he was on all the posters. He was literally the poster boy. Mm-hmm. And um, at all the Worlds, he was always. It's the last day, and the super heavyweights meant something. And yeah. Kelly was in the mix, and Kelly remember, was the. I remember at I think it was my. Was it, it was either my first or second provincials, but he was spotting. I thought it was so cool that, you know, Kelly Brandt was spotting and loading at, you know, provincials. Like, I was like, this is amazing. I just remember, like, you know, walking to provincials and seeing that, just thinking that was so cool. <laughs> People don't realize how big Kelly Brandt was, the Canadian powerlifting at the time. And because he's a super heavyweight doing insane numbers and, and a massive total, People like like strong men would know about him and respect him and be like, yeah, of course we know Kelly Britton, and he was like he was known like normal news coverage, like mainstream would do stories on him because he was crushing into the nine hundreds for squat and again benching like six hundred pounds and it was crazy what he was able to do. It was it was a really really big deal, and he was going head to head with Ray Williams and Jezza and those fellas like it was a it was a time period. And in 2019 Worlds, your first Worlds, he was supposed to be there. And we're all like, where's Kelly? Where's Kelly? Where's Kelly? And then the rumor came around in the warm-up rooms and whatnot. Like, people are saying he might have popped. And that's when, of course, it all came out after the fact. And people started talking. I think we're still at Worlds. And we're like, oh, my God, we lost our gold boy. Yeah. That was and that, that, was, that was crazy. It was sad, for sure. 
Now, um, speaking of a grind, the other thing that grinds my beer, gears on uh-oh. the other side is just everyone who assumes that all the IPF litterers are on shit because they're stronger than them. Like, that is the other thing. I'm just like, I try, like, when people, like, accuse me of being on stuff, like, I try to push it away and be like, in my head, like, I'll tell people I don't care, but inside it does hurt. I'm like, no. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So people would say, how is it possible that people in the tested division have numbers that rival those in the untested division? And at times that actually happens. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize... Right now I'm ahead of the Canadian, like, 82.5s are untested. Untested, yeah. But that's because you're on steroids. That's different. But... Um, <laughs> So, I'm gonna get tested by water tomorrow after that comment. <laughs> you got test. You get tested constantly, anyways. But um, no, but no, but the, the, what people got to understand in terms of this comparisons and why how that can actually happen, it's because of the talent pool in the tested division is so much greater that you're gonna have so many more outliers. The opportunity to find your outliers is greater when you have so many more people involved. And the oh. sample size is so much greater. That's how it works. That's why powerlifting in 2023, we have so many more um, big performances. Like the totals are astronomically much bigger. Now is our, from like six years ago. Now has our knowledge on training, et cetera, gotten better for sure. But the talent pool has swollen and we've gained so many more people and gained so many more outliers. Exactly. And again, people who would, who might have possibly, you know, gone to play at a high level in like football or like other sports for now going into cr- lacrosse or sorry, now going into powerlifting. So as you said, that pool just keeps growing. We're getting more like high level athletes jumping into the sport. Dude, you're so Canadian. You Freudian slip lacrosse in there. <laughs> I don't, okay. How Canadian are you trying? I'm, I'll, I'll wait to see how you, you work in beaver Us. and maple syrup. But you're 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 gonna you're gonna work in there. But um, so to my point, in terms of the untested, the untested division in Canada or even like wherever, choose U.S. is so much smaller globally. Is so much smaller. There's so fewer people in terms of talent pool in the untested. That, but of course, you're gonna have fewer outliers. You'll have your John Hacks, but you're gonna have far fewer outliers than say the talent pool that tested has and because as there's know, so many more people. John Hatt, like he is someone who won ipf and then like he went over to the tested side yeah. and then his results like after like just astronomical <laughs> right he was he was an outlier he can he can he could do his thing in the ipf he, like he won ipf worlds before he went over yeah so that's what that mostly that that when people are like how is it that these people in the tested have numbers that rival those in the untested it's like probably because the outliers are choosing the bigger platform or they're going this direction and you'll have someone who might not have as good a genetics and whatnot they're not the outlier that some of these other people are they'll take gear they'll do all that and they're doing their best and they're good but they're not taylor atwood taylor atwood chose ipf they're not you know whatever carlina jessica bitter insert the name the top lifters at the ipf should have impressive totals because like they're the best and that's why they're there <laughs> so like i feel but, like but, you don't get that either it's like yeah they should be a lot higher than your total <laughs> well they're th- they're thinking but this other person is the top best of the best of the untested 
So why is the best of the best attested comparable to the best of the best untested? Yeah, and it's same. just, it's just more one rising to the cream of that top was a lot harder than you're giving credit for when it's tested because there's so many more people involved. You rose to a much bigger platform. Like it's a much bigger group of people you had to rise above than in the untested. That's what people just don't fully grass go to an untested meet and it's not like you know some of these tested divisions where it's like the top 10 are all killers and the top 10 are all freaks and outliers and i don't know who's gonna win where you don't get those kind of showdowns often in the untested it's just not the talent yeah, pool to, the, to fill that in big names and they're kind of like going meet to meet like against battling against each other on dots it's just not as deep and, and like there are some great lifters in the untested for sure it's just not as deep so it's going to be more difficult to find these special people. Um, it's all it's all about talent size. But um, anyways, uh, I uh, I lost track of where the heck we were. Oh, we said Kelly Brenton. Mm-hmm. How about this one, Maria T. Maria T. Uh, previous previous world champ. Uh, she's been huge. She's been huge for Canadian lifting. Uh, I think she. I well, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that she's retiring or taking a hiatus off of powerlifting because i know she she came out with this she um in terms of water they if you miss three tests and then you have like a suspension and um she had mentioned this i I don't know if she's going to be gone for forever or whatever but she missed and she missed that she didn't fail any tests and there's like you know every one of them there's a reason but what it's super strict you know, mm-hmm. in terms of, and I don't want to go through all of her different reasons, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's talked about it. But yeah, so she has to serve that and then come back. Oh, okay. So, so she is planning like, on coming back. I, I, I'm not sure because who knows how you feel now, how you feel in the year, how you feel in two years. I don't yeah, know how long I, exactly it is. But... I saw him missing. It was just missing those three tests in a row, and it's tough, man. Because I've talked to people. And you'd be surprised how quickly you might be able to miss a test if you're not in a hotel. You tell me you at a hotel, you go out to eat, they come, you're not there. God. Well, <laughs> you know, it's like you were, you missed. Like it's, you got, it's tough. You got to be, it, yeah, they, they're not playing around. Cause for oh, all yeah. they know, for all they know, you, someone saw them coming, tipped you off, and you bounced. And that's a story. Like they I, can't I, just take you at your word. Oh, definitely. Even I had a couple like close calls where I'd be walking Kay and Joanna called me and she was like, hey, they're here to test you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you got to double back. And God knows, man, like exactly. It's tough. Um, but they are testing, which is good. Like a third party is showing up and testing and catching you when you're not expecting to be caught. Uh, so that's good. But yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But she won the Worlds before Jessica in 2019. And she was like the original. I think she was the first Canadian woman to win an open uh, worlds for us because 2018 Eric Willis did for the right. men's. And I think he was the first classic male to win an open world championship. And since 2018, we've have we had it every year, right? Uh, no, we have not. We've we won every year with one, somebody, but we hmm. haven't had another male win. But, um, yeah. Anyways, we'll see what happens. We got we got to put together our male team. Je- um, Jason's got a got his work cut out. If Russ comes over, they'll play boys. So <laughs> if it's gonna be if it's gonna be you, 
Um, let's do a little overrated, underrated, then we'll call it quits, sir. But how about a little overrated, underrated juries at meets? Juries, I will say. That's a tough one. I will say underrated. Like some, I will say underrated because like I have seen a lot of positive calls where like in real time, it's it can be hard. And then, you know, they go to the jury and overturn and like they get the lift. But it's kind of polarizing. So I'm a huge uh soccer I'm a huge soccer fan. In the last few years they kind of introduced video review and a lot of people kind of think it's ruined the game of soccer with having, you know, like it ruins the flow of like the nonstop play. You have the refs going to review and they feel it kind of stops the play and you're still having refs make mistakes. So like at the end of the day, it's still going to be a human like making that decision. You're still going to get human error. But I do think it has the opportunity to, you know give humans a chance to re-review and like it should increase the percentage of correct calls like you're still going to get some that go wrong but i am a fan of the jury reviews and i'll say underrated final answer yeah i'll say overrated because i think they're too active um however they weren't that active at north americans right no it's ipf international so maybe maybe they're starting to change like they're, they're adapting um, so maybe they're starting to adapt and become less active. I do think they need a jury though. Um, 100%. I, I do like that there's video review as well and more eyeballs on it. We're finding our way as a sport with how active do we want our juries to be? How many yeah, overturn calls? Balance where it's not like That's it. everything is just getting annoying and take away from the competition. But when you have those cases where it's like, that was obviously depth, like you need to review that and give the lifters lifts. Um, how about this one? Weight cutting. Weight cutting. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say overrated. I'll say overrated. I like, you know, it. It's obviously very beneficial for people who are very good at water cuts and whatever weight cutting method they use, because then you could be competing heavier than the given weight class. Um. So obviously, like, I'm not going to lie. It's super beneficial if you do it properly. Personally, I've had, I wouldn't say bad experiences, but not the best. Like I used to do water cuts for competition. And when I started going the dieting route, like I found my body, I actually do much better because I don't cramp as much in competition, even without water cutting. Like my body just naturally cramps a lot. Like it's something I haven't fully figured out, but for me, I find it easier to diet during prep and stay relatively close to my weight class. And then if I need to just do a very small cut to get down. So I'm going to say overrated final answer, but I do get the benefits of being efficient at cutting and I understand the advantages. And I actually wish that I was better at cutting, but overrated because I can do it and I don't need to do it. That's <laughs> the thing, man. Because you can't really pick and choose if your body does it or not for you. So yeah. you got to, you know, kick with the shoe that fits. And, and I also do my you, natural you're... weight cuts before competition where yeah, you do. everything goes out one way and I naturally dehydrate. <laughs> but people are shocked that you're five foot nine as an 83. Five foot nine is not like it. Like you're five foot nine and a half. Five Something. foot nine. What are you? Yeah. Something like that. People can't believe it. 
because they're like, dude, how is he five foot? And he must cut like crazy. Cause it's not like you're a skinny guy. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. And Nick is oh, also my chicken legs. I can thank my chicken legs. Help me to stay light. You've got skinny legs. That's what it is. <laughs> Nick is also five foot nine. And you guys are like, and I don't think he cuts a heck of a lot either. You guys are just, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, but, but that's crazy tall for like, 83. When, like, if I don't watch my calories, like naturally my body would want to stay around 85, 86 kilo. Like I weighed myself this morning. I was 85 kilo. And that's like, what, after how long? <laughs> like you'll never, you'll never be a 93, right? Or no, I, I do want to do a 93. I want to have a 93 kilo national title on my resume before I stop powerlifting. And but you like, might want, not fill out the 93? No, I wouldn't fill out the 93, but I do want to have a couple fun meets where I don't have to worry about maintaining weight and I can just eat whatever I want going in. you like buck 95. Yeah, I think I, if I were to compete 93, I'd probably be like probably around 195 pounds. What is that in kilos? Yeah, it all depends, man. You got to pick your spots. Depends what 93s will be waiting for you, though. That's the thing, right? So it's, um, but you got work to do at the 83 still. Yeah. I mean, I, there's, this is a World Games good. year as well. The uh, World Games qualifying year as well. So if you can make it to Worlds and podium, you, I think that's, I think you podium to get the World Games. Somebody had heard the podcast and told me, I think there's also a couple of wild cards, a few wild cards that come out on top of that as well. So, there's opportunity at the world championships and you're in the conversation. If you could get your total up now, Russ is here too. So he's going to take a spot as long as Russ makes it to worlds conceivably. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens. That podium's going to be tough. Delaney's got a kill. Like has done eight thirty five. Jerns is on eight twenty. So you got to, I mean, you, you're in eight hundreds and you got a year. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. How about this one? Game day handling. Underrated. Underrated. 100% agree. Underrated. I like. I think a lot of the top lifters definitely understand the importance of game day handling. But I think you get a lot of the newer lifters and younger lifters who just go in the mindset of the strongest person is going to win the competition. Like they don't realize the strategy that goes into game day handling. Um, even like if we use the example of my, was it 2020 nationals when it was me and Guillaume who on paper, he was stronger than me and probably should have won the nationals, but we purposely inflated my deadlift opener to make it look like I was going to do something a lot higher than what we planned on. And then he bumped up his squat and then ended up missing missing squat over like overshot himself on squat missed the bench was too tired when deads rolled around and i'll just like thank you very much check here's my round out the day with deadlifts and took my national title so you, game day you lowered game. you lowered your opener to what it was actually going to be the whole time exactly and it was like uh-uh. <laughs> played them but yeah no it's definitely underrated because it's not always the strongest person wins, but whoever plays out their game plan in the best way and like understands, you know, like, like how to use your lot picks and all that jazz. That's what Matt Gary always says is when it's tight, it's not always the strongest person that wins. And Matt Gary's and Susie Gary have been in a few battles 
where they don't have the strongest lifter. They got a strong lifter and it's close. And they walk in there knowing my guy or girl is close enough. If I make all the right calls and they make some bad calls and they're looking at their lot numbers, do they, who has lot number advantage, et cetera, where's the body weight at there? Are we heavier, lighter, whatever. They're taking all these intangibles. What are the chips in play? Do we have records that we can take? Okay. They, how about them? All right. All right. They have all, they know all of this. And even if they don't have the stronger person, but they know their person's close enough strong, they have done it before where they'll still get a win. Exactly. They've done it. They've done it before. I don't need to rehash. I've told the stories before. So has Matt Gary and Matt Gary's got a book on it, but that has happened before. And, and you don't notice it unless it's nationals or worlds. And then you're like, Oh damn, don't let it happen to you. Get yourself a good game day handler. Cause if you don't, the other person does, you're getting undressed out there and you're going to be very upset. You're going to look back and be like, damn it, man. I thought I had that one. How about this? NAPFs. NAPFs is, I think, properly rated. Properly, properly rated. rated. <laughs> properly made your own rated. category. <laughs> I made my own category because it, like, it's an international competition, and I would love to see it become a bigger competition. I want to see more names going to it. And, like, as we talked about before, it has that obstacle where there's only so many countries and so much, like, available spots for like let's say the u.s to bring lifters and whatnot so it's trying to figure out how we can make north america's a better meet so i can call it underrated but right now it's it's probably yeah agreed it's it's right now it's full of potential and i got a feeling um if some things can go into place it can be a whole different competition for 2024 and certainly 2025. But as is, it's, it's just full of potential, but properly rated. A lot of people look past it, and there's a reason why. We got to fix this. We got to figure it out. There's a way to figure it out. We can figure this out. But we'll see what happens. Um, how about Euros? Euros? I don't want to make up my own category again. I don't want to use probably rated because that's what my true feelings are. But I would say, you know what? From a lot of, I'm going to use from a lot of Americans vantage point or for vantage point from USAPL lifters, I would say it's underrated from the USAPL lifters because when we were, when we had that huge split, I know I remember a lot of people being like, you know, the IPF when actually dropped US because like we have all the big names and they just totally discounted basically the whole concept of Europe and how big that comp that competition is. So from that vantage point, I'm saying underrated. I think um like yeah, I remember that kind of rhetoric about like what will you have without us type talk. Um but time has passed. I don't I, I think a lot of people don't think that now, but I think it still is probably as a whole is it still underrated? I think it depends on where you are. So like in Europe, like if you're in Europe, it's massive. If you're a powerlifting nerd, it's massive. But from like the masses who aren't really powerlifting nerds, and I would say it's underrated. Yeah. It's starting to get to the point where I don't know if it's underrated. We're getting close. I don't know. Because now you he- everybody is well aware of y- the Europeans. And not just the Europeans, because they have to show up at Euros. They have to show up at Euros, and they do. 
that's why Euros is special because you will see Liam Avoa, Pena, Giotis, and like Noemi Alaber, and like the the their world champions sh- actually show up in battle. That's why it's special. Jad Jacob, Jad Jacob, her her European performance is what got her a Sheffield. You know what I mean? Like it, Euros is still heavily coveted title over there. Jaren's Kingamo when he when he took the European title. Um, that helped put him on, right? So it's certainly not underrated in Europe, or sorry, overrated in Europe, because they they like the best of the best will show up at Euros because it means something to them to win that title. That's what it is. Does it mean something to you to win the title? And right now, North Americans is it people don't value it enough to show up enough. Enough people don't starting to gain a little steam here over the last week. Um, you know, you brought, I mean, you got Barbend and you got attention of obviously, you know, King Elias, but you, you've got a lot more than that. Other people are talking about you and memes are coming out, whatnot, because this helps, this helps, but we need more euros. People are showing up and people are like, like the big names are showing up. That's what we need. So, and outside of Europe, like uh, Canadians, Americans, etc. I think we st- kind of know. Like previously, if it was, they're like, "Is he good?" and I'm like, "He's a, he's a European champion," he'd be like, "That doesn't mean anything to me." Now, if it's like he won Euros, I think more and more people now are not quite as ignorant, and they're like, oh, "Okay, shit." Or yeah. she won Euros. It's like, is she from France? You know what I mean? It's like, oh shit. All right. Well, this could be a killer. This could be somebody I better watch out for. We're starting yeah. to get there a little bit. And I think Euros are also contributing some of the Sheffield wildcards, I believe. What's that, sorry? I feel like some people had great totals that Euros also contributed to some of the Sheffield wildcards. Yeah, like Jad Jacob. That's what I was saying. Like Jad Jacob's European, she broke the 57 kilo world total at Euros. Right. And that was a major factor of her going to like Sheffield um you know like it, it's just you gotta you gotta put a big big total somewhere and it's got to be at a reputable place and euros was considered reputable enough and that speaks volumes and because it's not only just world records can fall there but also you're going to be under pressure with competition there's a world-class competition waiting for you there euros has done great man the last like the the progress the european championship and euros and all the european lifters period over the last five years has been crazy I mean, they've really stepped it up. It's more of a global sport now. Um, and uh, let me see here. That's all of them, Playboy. That was the last one. Have you read, uh, what's it called? Matthew McConaughey's book. I think it's called Green Lights. I've heard about it. Everybody's talking about it. Is it good? It's really good. But he uses, so he uses the metaphor that like throughout his life that he uses stop signs like, you know, green lights that I'm going to go for this in life, like red lights mean stop, but like oftentimes like red lights doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It just kind of opens up a door for something new. So I kind of look at it as like, you know, I started off as a competitive soccer player and like in my head, I was always going to like go super far soccer and that was it. And then when I stopped playing soccer, I was kind of like looking for like that next little thing. So I had that red light moment with soccer, which opened up the door to powerlifting and I went green light powerlifting. And now I'm going green light podium at worlds. That's my green light. That's my next green. Ah, light. Uh, <laughs> we got 
a little ways to go. Let's see how it works. If this, <laughs> you know, obviously the qualifier and then freaking world is going to be a meat grinder. But um, dude, yeah, this, and then if you podium at Worlds, that's when the World Games opens up. And that whole experience, holy flip, dude, that's a multi-sport international event with an athlete compound the whole night. Kathleen, you podium at Worlds. You know how crazy that is? I mean, you're going to be... It's it, the experiences you'll have had. It's you got to set goals and go for it. So that's the new goal. Obviously, got to qualify first. There's still opportunities for Nick and Adam, but we'll worry yeah. about qualifying and then set that goal for landing on the podium. All you could do is take a day at a time. And exactly. as of today, you were the number 183 in Canada. You were the number one ranked powerlifter of all time in Canada dots or gl points and you were the first 83 canadian to cross 800 kilos and um you're drinking wine on the king of list podcast celebrate my man today's a good day the future is uncertain but today's a good day kind sir thank you for coming on to the podcast obviously um and uh i mean me and you got a freaking date tomorrow morning the tele you got a television crew coming to the gym and freaking you live in the to the to the Victor go the spoils right you're living, you're living the life when are you back on programming um so I'm gonna like I'm gonna start training again this week nothing crazy and then I was talking to Jason we probably won't hop back on program till early to mid September but I'm still gonna be training obviously you gonna be like drinking every day until then or <laughs> Waking up with that beer on my on my nightstand. Wake it up, be like, all right, I got. No, I'm not going to take. I got television. Obviously, I need to, you know, keep my spot. I can't really rely on the solo. So, show. Hey, 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 it's showbiz, baby. You got television tomorrow. All right, (laughs) you you got showbiz now. People like, damn, Catholics changed since North Americans. Moment is since he took that number one spot, the king of the north. Freaking his change, man. That's a good title, by the way, like, because you are King Cap, but the King of the North, like Game of Thrones. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shit. I just thought of that right now. Um, but anyways, literally all right, sir. North, What's that? I said literally the King of the North. Well, I mean, you're number one pound for pound on whatever formula they use, man. It's definitely you now undisputed. But um, all right, sir. Well, thank you for coming on. We got an early day tomorrow. I'll uh I'll see you at 8 30. Thanks. See you in the morning. I'll see you in the morning. Everybody listening, um, please do subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Until next time, six-pack lap it at six up. And we are.